Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan on the Influence Continuum. And I'm really very excited to have Sarma Melgalis with me. Uh, Sarma uh, was the uh, subject, I was going to say victim, but subject of the recent Netflix docuseries, Bad Vegan. And honestly, she's pretty famous, iconic person for everyone that I know in Manhattan who used to go to her restaurant, including, you know, major celebrities and politicians. The restaurant was called Pure Food and Wine. It was a restaurant. And you also um, were founder of the raw vegan brand One Lucky Duck, which I think you had several locations for. Mm -hmm. And so let me start by just saying, in my professional opinion, you were the victim of an artful and designing psychopathic person who uh, uh, mind controlled you, if I can cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. And um, but it became this big thing uh, because of your celebrity and how much money he was able to extract from you and alienate mm-hmm. you from your family. And eventually, you were sentenced and had to go to Rikers um, yeah. prison, which is absurd and an injustice. Uh, and so I'm very excited to have you on because honestly, over the decades of my career, I've had numerous cases with men being controlled by psychopathic women and women being controlled by psychopathic men, um, what we call a one-on-one cultic yeah. mind control relationship. So having said that, Sarma, thank you for agreeing to do this with me. And I'll add one more personal note that you mm-hmm. went uh, to Newton North High School, where my son attended high school. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, so there's a closeness there uh, because, hey, Matthew, this really famous entrepreneur restaurateur went to your school <laughs> and etc. So with that said... I'd like you to take over now. Give us a little bit of the framing of the story. I want to get into what mm-hmm. was wrong with the Netflix uh, 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 docuseries. I even hes- hesitate to call it a docuseries, but it's on Netflix. But it really um, misses the target on so many levels to be actually a useful, accurate, helpful thing. So with that, I'd like to ask you to let us know you a little bit more and your background and your take sure. on things now. Oh, and I want to add, you're writing a book. So yes. we want anyone who's interested or involved with the book industry to be aware of this, because I think it's going to be an incredible book. Back Thank you. you. Yes, Sorry. I have been working on it for um, for quite some time. Um, and... Yeah, I, I don't know quite where to start, but um, you know what connects us, I think, is something that I feel like I've had to almost like forcefully put out there over and over again, which is that my situation is akin to being in a cult or is like a, being in a cult of one, and the dynamics are very much the same. Um, and I think people looking at it they, they put the label coercive control on there, which applies, but I always say, to me, it's always seemed like sort of what happened in my situation, which I can talk more about specifically, but is like a Venn diagram of 
of like the elements of what's labeled coercive control and then cult mind control. But I feel like the cult mind control and the, the culty aspects of it are really um, the dominant one by far. Um, yeah, and let I mean, me I add, that, if I may mm -hmm. add, Sarmer, for one second, that the UK uh, passed a law called coercive yes. control about men isolating women from their family and friends and dominating right. and controlling them. I believe Australia. I, I would imagine is, it's it's you know men or women, but it just right. tends to be usually more often than not. I, I believe it's absolutely it's, men it's usually men. Uh, but the point is, is that for me, the use of mind control includes groups and yes. and uh, nation states, whereas course of control is more narrowly limited to kind of a one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, abuse situation. Forgive me mm -hmm. for interrupting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's an important distinction. And, um, and I think what's Another distinction is that um, the the person in my case, I, I kind of I call him Mr. Fox in my in my book because it's easier to call him something that sounds more like a character than an actual person. Um, you didn't want to use Mr. Slime Bag. <laughs> well, I mean, Mr. Fox is what he called himself, and it just sounds like a bit of a character. But I do have my own personal, more colorful uh, abbreviations for like how I refer to him among family and friends, but. Um, well, if he um, called himself Mr. Fox, my advice is to definitely not use his word. <laughs> Pick a different yeah, word. I mean, it, it's for me, it's it's kind of it's the easy way for me to refer to him in um, at least in the narrative of my book, because it would mm -hmm. get confusing early on. I knew him as one name and then later found out his name was something else. And so it would be weird to kind of switch in the narrative back and forth. So, I understand. I understand. But yeah. this is another point of I just want to highlight for our listeners, because I have listeners with all kinds of interests in the subject matter. But identifying a per that a person has a past where they've changed their name is a yeah. big flag. Not that there aren't legitimate people who do it for legitimate reasons. But when you have criminal activity in your past, almost always these people use pseudonyms, false identities. And one reason why I encourage families that call me to hire a PI, a private investigator, to do the deep dive to get the full profile on the person, in mm -hmm. which case we can often find prior victims uh, that can mm -hmm. help us. Can Please continue. Yeah, as, as and... and um you know, as there was in my case, um, you know, and, and her experience was, you know, different, but a lot of similarities. And I think what's most striking coming out on the other side of this is, is seeing how many similarities there are. Um, and it, it feels so strange at first. It's sort of both comforting and, and but also very strange that I've heard this over and over again. It feels like these perpetrators, they all are working out of the same handbook. Because it's like, the, you know, you hear somebody else's story and you go, oh, my God, he did the exact same thing to me. Or, you know, even with cults and, you know, yeah. watching the Nexium story and learning, you know, one after the other, any story that I um, listen to or read about related to cults, I, I see striking similarities between those cult leaders and, um, you know, and Mr. Fox is all. I'll yeah, and, and correct now. me if my memory is incorrect, but didn't you watch The Vow, which was a, 
a documentary mm-hmm. on Nexium. And... I watched the vow and took a lot of notes. And um, <laughs> and I mean, I believe of you notes. asked me to introduce you to Sarah Edmondson, which I happily did um, mm-hmm. because of the use of hypnosis and mind control that Keith Ranieri used on her and other members of the cult that they yeah. you were going, aha, this is not so rare. Right. And um, yeah, she and Nippy, um, as you know, I did their podcast and their, they and their, their podcast, you know, it's been a, a big source of comfort to listen to other stories. And so often I hear things that resonate that might be something that hadn't occurred to me before. And it's like another puzzle piece kind of going, oh, okay, here's a piece that like fits in now to this picture that's making it a bit more clear. So that that happens to me when I listen to a lot of these stories. And it's, um, it's great because you don't feel alone. You realize there are lots of other successful, intelligent, educated people who... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think, I mean, I have heard from, I don't know how many, and I, there's so many hundreds and hundreds and a bajillion messages that I never got a chance to open when um, when Bad Vegan first came out. It was like, you know, a a massive fire hose in my face. And so I wasn't able to open messages and read emails that came in through my website and all the incoming through every like digital orifice, as I like to say, just, you know, <laughs> LinkedIn messages like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, my website. So, but of all the ones that I have looked at and read, and now I'm able to read the ones that come in. I mean, it is a constant stream of um, mostly women, some men, but, it's like Kate, there. There is so much isolation and shame, and I'm getting, um, you know, I'm getting expressions of gratitude for telling my story because people say nobody, nobody understands. I've been alone, and I think that is, in my case, that is one, um, you know, one benefit that that you know, my having been somebody that was written about in the papers and that it became sort of a high profile story is that you know, for better or worse, I'm not alone with it. I might get people yelling at me and, and being critical to put it mildly or, and, you know, whatever happens happens, but at least I'm certainly not alone with it. So, um, oh, part of the reason I, why I keep speaking out and like, I, I don't, I keep going and talking about it and, and, you know, is because there are all these, again, mostly women, some men who they don't, you know, they don't have a platform or an ability to speak out. And so I feel like because I have the ability to speak out, um, like I will continue to do so for them as well. So that, you know, there's a better understanding of this because people telling me they were rejected by their family and friends and, you know, that just compounds the, the injury and the, um, you know, the destruction of what these types of people are able to do. And I think talking about it, helping people understand, getting more information out about it, you know, hopefully being able to get some laws passed, like the one in the UK that you mentioned, and I think they might have mm-hmm. passed it or it was in the works in Australia. Um, but criminalizing that type of deliberate, diabolical, destructive um, mind control and, yep. and, you know, control in various ways. And then hopefully that would also spare others going forward um, of getting you know, of, of the blame for it. Yeah. And I want to just highlight your courage and willingness to help others. That's uh, not something that most people who exit 
mind control situations are willing to do. A lot of people just want to put it put it on a shelf and pretend it didn't happen, and that is rarely a good strategy for healing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I didn't really have a, I didn't quite have a choice in my case because it was out there so much, and um, you know, I think it was made clear in the in the end of the film that you know I was left with like huge piles of debt too, which one way or another, like, you know, how, whoever was responsible and to the extent that I like one way or another, I want to address all of that. So, you know, realistically, how am I going to do that other than kind of putting myself out there, writing a book, you know, doing, working on various projects that might um, be both useful, lucrative, but one way or another, I just want to, I don't want to live with that, um, you know, with all of that debt. And that, that sort of brings me to the Netflix thing because people assume that like, I must've made a ton of money from the Netflix film. I call it a film too. I hesitate to call it a documentary. And, um, and that wasn't the case because with an actual documentary, there is some issues of, there are issues of journalistic integrity and one technically shouldn't be paid for like a journalistic Act, you know, news yep. piece, but that that wasn't what this was. There was this element of entertainment and deliberate confusion, and um, and and it was clearly meant to be like you know, it, entertainment first and foremost versus educating people because it certainly failed in the department of educating people about you know sort of the how and why this happened. Um, and uh, one of the one of my uh, issues was that I I was made to understand that at the end of it, it was going to explicitly state that, um, that I, f for, you know, my participation and all of the like troves of materials that I contributed and that I was able to, um, that I did get an initial payment that was like pretty much precisely the amount that my employees were owed after everything that happened. And so that money went like via an escrow account straight to the employees and so they were paid and that was done and taken care of. And beyond that, I didn't, I didn't profit. And then, yes, I have all these other debts and obligations that are much larger, but to at least make it clear that, um, you know, that, that my employees, which was the part that weighed on me the most, um, were in fact paid. And then that wasn't in the end of it. So that was a source of, um, you know, complaint. And I, I feel like we, sometimes we start these interviews, like assuming that everybody's seen it but it's sort of the short of the story is that um you know i had this restaurant and a brand and it was growing and it was doing well um and i but i was running it alone and i had recently split up with a boyfriend it was sort of my first my first heartbreak you know i'd, I'd never really been truly heartbroken before and i was overwhelmed i i did carry some debts from a prior situation um because I was, I did get into a situation before with somebody who, um, you know, uh, I guess I would say, to put it mildly, was, you know, manipulative and ex exploitative. A business so, situation, yep. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was my, my original collaborator, um, mm -hmm. not Jeffrey, it was um, right. uh, Matthew, same name as your son. Um, right. So, uh, and then, so then what happened was, you know, I met this guy via uh, social media, which is always like not in itself a red flag, but like should make somebody a lot more wary and careful. Skeptical. To, yeah. Skeptical. Yeah. 
Um, and because uh, people and, aren't who they necessarily represent themselves to be, and um, people right. un need to understand uh, reality is what's important. Not and when it starts reality. that way, they're able to much more. Uh, when it starts that way, they're able to, I think, better control like what information they're they're delivering to you, right? right. So he created this mysterious persona and would like you know, put out these little tidbits and I had not met him in person. So it was a slow process. Um, and, yeah, you know, eventually he came into my life and then got me to start, you know, giving him money and it just snowballed. And I ended up giving him a couple million dollars and my business was destroyed and closed. Then it reopened, then it closed again. And then he took me away. Um, and, and this is another just sort of personally frustrating thing, but everybody sort of somehow would, completely erroneously summarized the story as if like I stole millions of dollars and then we ran off with it and that I ran away with him and that, you know, it was some sort of like Bonnie and Clyde loves. No, no, like not that at all. Right. And, um, uh, and then I also didn't marry him the way that they uh, portrayed it in the, in, in bad vegan. That was really frustrating to me because it was a deliberate like splicing of audio from one part of the interview with, audio from another part to give the impression that I married him for a particular reason. And that wasn't the case. So yeah, that makes um, me so angry when I see former members who are willing to share their story, be victimized by the media, which honestly has happened for 46 years, where I've seen this repeated thing where you are doing it for a noble purpose, you want to help other people and warn people and they take out all the educational pieces and they create this bogus narrative that isn't reflective of you. Right. And which not only because I, no matter how, like, even if it had been portrayed accurately, I would expect kind of the usual kind of, how could you be so stupid? How could you believe him? Kind of a, like that, that was a little bit more expected, but um, the, you know, allowing people to think that like somehow I was in on it, which it's one of those things where it's almost like those, um, uh, you know, like those things online where some people see it one way and some people see it another way and they don't see how the other person saw it the mm -hmm. other way. Yeah. And that happened very much with this where, you know, lots of people saw it, they kind of understood it, or even if they didn't so much understand it, they thought like, oh, this is tragic. You know, what a horrible thing that happened. And then there are a lot of people who watched it and came away thinking that like, I should still be, I, you know, I get regularly, I get incoming telling me I should be, I should still be locked up in jail. I should be ashamed of myself. How could I have done that? To, you know, I'm a fraud. I'm a con artist. I'm a sociopath. And you know, I think almost by definition, if you're somebody that has been through something like this, you tend to be a sensitive person. Yep. And so, you know, those those things don't roll off as easy as one might think that they do. And it, and it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. And it was sort of it makes me feel sort of naive all over again that I, you know, that 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 happened. But let me let me just lift you up and support you. I've been hearing the same things to this day that I was weak and stupid and gullible yeah. and needed a yeah. father figure. All this uh, from totally ignorant people who haven't even made the beginning of an effort to understand social psychology or hypnosis. 
but mm-hmm. you know, you, you get thicker skin if you are wanting true. to be in the space. And and I just want to tell you how upset I was watching the bad vegan. Uh, how frustrated I was. We had talked before I watched mm-hmm. it, so we knew each other, and you had shared some of your stories uh, before. And I, you know, it made like I said, I've had other cases that are mirrors of what you went through without the victims being sentenced and put in jail, uh, much less a documentary. But um, I want to add, if I may, you told mm-hmm. me that the filmmakers sat down with Evan Stark, who's a sociologist who was the originator of the coercive control model that became yep. a basis of law. They had footage and an, a friend, a mutual friend, Hoyt Richards, who had been a supermodel yep. celebrity. Yeah, you made that introduction as well. Was in a UFO cult and they interviewed him and they didn't yep. use any of that footage. Ah, I know. And I'm it's, so upset. It, it makes me look bad. like I helped I helped arrange those, right? And Evan Stark, they spent an entire day at his house, yep. used up an entire day of his valuable time. And you know, and then uh, I assume the same thing happened with um uh with Hoyt Richards, mm-hmm. who I know to be, you know, like beautifully articulate on this subject and and would have been such a good example of like, you know, here's this guy, Princeton grad, who was also made to believe things that now seem cuckoo. And, you know, and so it, those things that would have sort of backed me up were excluded. And hundred um, percent. Yeah. So I and that's partly why I really wanted to do this interview with you and and do a blog uh, to kind of make a record that is more um, longer lasting and has a bigger reach to say, wait a minute. And by the way, I went and did my doctoral research in my 60s because I want to do what I can to change the law to have clear definitions of what's due influence and what's undue influence, what's what's ethical and what's destructive authoritarian control. And that's, for me, the big issue right now on planet Earth, that people are confused. A lot of people walk around thinking, you know, with the myth of invulnerability, oh, that could never happen to me. I'm too smart or I'm too, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you're brilliant, you're successful, you're educated. It happened to you. And it happened to me. It happened to White. It happened to millions and millions of other people. Yeah. So having said that, um, you know, I just, I hope that, that something can be done on your book that's more of an accurate description that's educational for the public maybe a book movie uh, deal, hint, hint, anyone out there, agents or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, my my problem, which is a good problem, is that my draft is way too long. I mean, it's in word count, it is significantly longer than Moby Dick. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, I there's a lot of um, sort of transcribed conversations and original material. And you know, because it, 
the way the, the book is telling the story, but also kind of going along with me on that journey of, you know, as it's happening, but then as I sit here now writing this, reading, going back and figuring it out and sort of analyzing myself along the way based on what I'm seeing now and based on all the kind of research and inputs and things that I've learned since then. So it's hopefully, um, you know, will be very instructive and, um, and uh, yeah, and, and useful. And, you know, so the hopefully good news... enough entertainment value that, you know, so the good news it. is there are great editors who know how to cut things down and tell stories and you get to, you know, have a website and put all the other material that didn't get yeah, into the book. That's my, my plan. I even, I mean, I've already posted more than I intended to because um, uh, sort of in the wake of the, the bad vegan coming out, I felt like I, I, I mean, I was, I was kind of blindsided by people's reaction. I didn't realize it would be that extreme. And um, I, I felt sort of forced to uh, forced to correct the record as much as I could. And also, uh, and so I did that on my website. And I, Which and then is, I also ended up. Let's plug uh, it. Uh, it's sarmaraw.com. So my first name, sarma, R-A-W.com. And, um, and I posted even like this letter that I had written um, in, in 2016 during that those months after when I was out on bail after I'd been arrested and was in that process of kind of waking up mm -hmm. out of it. Yep. And, um, and I, I just wrote this angry letter to him on my phone kind of in, in pieces because I just, you know, when you're so angry at somebody, um, you know, so you're having those arguments in your head. I don't, mm -hmm. I do that. all, And so I, because they were just driving me nuts, I started typing them out into my phone. And so Smart. eventually I had this long letter, uh, which I knew I wasn't going to send him, but it was just like, I had to get it out it's of me. It's very therapeutic. Um, I recommend and, it to my clients all the time. Yeah, no, it really, it really is. Yeah. And then, um, and then it ended up being useful because, um, you know, pretty much everything in there is like verifiable and, and I needed people to understand like, this is what happened. This is what this person did. And it's, it's very graphic. I talk about like icky sexual stuff because it was, it was so repulsive to me that people thought, you know, oh, you did this for love or that I was in on it with him. And it was like, no, no, like read this. And, and let's just be very clear. Well, that he's this gross. was not a happy experience for me. He's I gross mean, and disgusting. Like, and you're beautiful I mean, and wonderful. I mean, well, if you I, see the, the two of you, it's like, why is she with him? And, uh, and unless you understand hypnosis and, and, and psychopathological, you know, seduction and mind control, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So, but what, what I, a, per, a really good example of one of these like puzzle pieces finally fitting into place was um, I could never quite understand because even looking back at my communications with him, there would be places where like, you know, a lot of times I was, I was angry with him, but there were places where he would, you know, we'd have this back and forth and he would say, I love you. And I would say, I love you back. And I'm like, you know, and, and I never could quite understand like what, what was going on? Because it's like, I didn't, it's, I wasn't in love with him, but it was, there was some powerful attachment and, but I didn't quite understand it. And then I, I heard, um, Mark Vicente talk about um, about what it is because 
with with these cult leaders like Keith Raniere, for example, he's such a schlubby, goofy, yep. dorky kind of to be the guy. smartest person on earth. Mark right. he was a member of his cult, the Nexium cult, right. and he did a lot and of so, the filming. And so, um, and yet, so people say, well, you know, why did why were all these women, you know, having sex with him, and why were all these people kind of worshiping him, and um, and that, and that seems to be the case with with these cults in general. Um, like the outside, you look at them as these sort of buffoons, but the people in on it in, at the time are sort of worshipful of these people. And, and there's some like attachment there that we sort of maybe mistake as love or, or something. But he, um, and I won't do it as, articulate as, uh, as articulately as he explained it, but he said something that it's, it's what, what, the, what these people do is they take like your own like highest aspirations and values and who you want to be and everything you want out of life and everything you want to do for the world and kind of turn it into, in some way, like they become the one that can deliver you that as if right. they're the ones that can empower you and enable you to be the person that you always wanted to be. So you can like reach that, your goals and ideals, which at their core are all about goodness and they can they're they're the they create some sort of a dynamic so you feel like they're the vehicle to get you there um and and that like so that's kind of what you're falling in love with now he just it's a i'm not explaining so it well falling, but it, it resonated so let me let me respond if i may yeah. from my point of view uh and that is that uh these predators learn hypnotic methodology. A lot of it is NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. We know for a fact that Keith Raniere was using neuro-linguistic yep. programming techniques. We know that Saltzman, who uh, was the president of Nexium, was trained by Todd Epstein, who was trained by Richard Bandler, who started NLP. And as someone who was trained in NLP in 1980 and 81, after my exit from the Moonies, trying to figure out what is all this mind control stuff. And I had read through all the social psychology literature and persuasion literature and commun Chinese communist brainwashing literature, and there was something missing. But when I learned about NLP and hypnosis and process-oriented hypnosis, which was based on Milton Erickson's work, the lights turned on. And in fact, as I was watching and listening to Bandler in his first workshop, I was going, I used to talk like that in the Moonies, but nobody mm -hmm. explicitly said, we're going to teach you how to hypnotize people, Steve. Right. But they paired me up with older members and told me to study how they lectured. And I learned through behavioral modeling how to do it. And um, I can tell you from past cases, um, people can be hypnotized and then given amnesia, as Keith Raniere would regularly do, uh, to what they were told. And so my take on what he was doing with you was that he was putting those ideas in your head that he could liberate you to your highest mm -hmm. self and to make millions of dollars and change the world for healthy eating, et cetera, et cetera. He was using the, the, the profile from you 
in order to manipulate you to subvert your free will to his uh, will. Right. And the, and the weird, I mean, part of what he knew that, what I mean, because again, they study everything they can about you and learn all your, everything about you. So he knew that I had felt constrained and, you know, and my business, it's like they weaponize what is kind of what you care about the most right. and what means the world to you and what is usually a very good thing. So for me, I wanted to grow my business. I wanted it to be something that outlasted me. I wanted it to be something that changed the world because again, I had that idealism, which is also very common. Yep. And, and, and what part of what was frustrating me was, um, was that, you know, people would, cause I had some potential partners come along and, uh, and they would sort of try to control it and change it. And they would have compromised the brand. And I wanted it to have the integrity that it was meant to have. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to grow it the way that I wanted to. And I wanted to be able to sort of call the shots in a good way and, and grow the brand the way that I wanted to grow it. And that's, that's what I wanted. And so he, you know, through whatever means made me feel like he was going to kind of break through that and, and then I'd be sort of liberated yeah. to grow the brand as I wanted to. And so, you know, again, that was another thing that just people got the impression that like, you know, it was about money, that I was trying to get money for myself and that like we were staying in nice hotels and uh, that's like, that's not, that's not me and that's not the case at all. Agreed. So, um, it's okay, not but, about but, you. <laughs> right. Don't and, and it listen was like, to these people who are saying this crap is my advice. So I mean he he, it's like he entrapped me, but like by making me believe that he would be able to liberate me from the things that had previously made me feel trapped, which were just kind of more, you know, vague general forces, not right. nothing diabolical. So um yeah, it was like he he took my um you know, my my kind of hopes and dreams and ambitions and then um you know, weaponize them. And I think that in a lot of cases, what I think that people need to be really careful of when they realize they might be dealing with a situation like this is, um, I, I can't even imagine like if I had had children with him, but I think that very commonly, um, you know, children can be used as a pawn. Definitely. Um, when, when people are trying to get out of a destructive type of controlling relationship. So it's very yep. dangerous and scary. Yep. So I want to, I want to, give you a little bit more from my watching mm -hmm. the documentary because I found myself yelling at the screen at times where the interviews of of uh, employees, it was so clear how much they loved you and respected you and were completely confused why you were right. behaving so differently. And, and um, but nobody, nobody, called the private investigator or did a, did a background check on this guy and, you know, didn't go to your family and say, we think this guy's, because he victimized your mom too, if I'm remembering correctly from, from the story. The, yes, he did. So what I want to say is that, because there's a, a millions and millions of Americans right now who have a family member or friend who thinks the 2020 election was stolen and they believe in QAnon or they believe that all Democrats are pedophiles and they just don't know how to talk to them. And in many cases, just cut off contact because it's too upsetting 
to <laughs> interact with them and ask, tell let's go back in time when you first heard Donald Trump's name. What was your first associate? <laughs> you know, like to do the 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 reality testing questioning in a respectful, loving way, because I truly believe they could have intervened with you way before you know, all this money got transferred and all this all other horrible things, but kind of the blame was all put on you. And, but, but they could have done stuff. So I'm saying this for my audience to maybe plant a seed that if you have someone that you respect and care about, and you've witnessed a radical personality change that doesn't make sense explore the idea that hypnosis is being used unethically or mind control is being used unethically on this person and figure out a strategy based on love, based on respect, that could help the loved one. So that, that's so my this speech. Is a question, this is a question I get a lot. Um, and two things, just to circle back, when you're talking about the NLP, yep. what, what's so striking when I'm looking back at all of this is because I'm able to read some of our, he deleted, uh, he thought he deleted all of our correspondence. So he thought he deleted like all of our digital history, um, but I was able to get a lot of it back. And it's striking that like in so much of what's written on these G chats, I am like cursing at him. I'm calling him a liar. I'm saying you, you know, like all I'm calling him out on all this stuff. And then, you know, I'll know from the back and forth that like then wherever he was, he came home. Right. So then there's like a day or two of like barely no communication because he's there with me. And then it's like, you know, all, according to the records, it's like then I sent a wire for $80,000 or whatever. Right. And so but I don't remember like. I have little snippets of memories of conversations and things and whatnot, but I don't remember the stuff in person. And it sort of seemed like I was always pushing back when he wasn't around, but when he got me in person. I, yeah, he I, was using NLP. So, I mean, I, I think I need to do a longer thing just teaching uh, the main techniques uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and models of NLP, but I think you're, for our listeners, uh, I'll just say that what makes the most sense, I'm speaking now with my mental health uh, professional cap on, uh, is that it, it mind control creates a dissociative disorder um, where like the old Steve Hassan, then the Mooney Steve Hassan that suppressed Steve Hassan, the real Steve Hassan was still in there. But in terms of interacting with the outside world, people rarely got right. to hear what I actually said. And part of the control, and this is going back to what you just said, was that I was always with the group or always with somebody from the group monitoring me. But it was only when my, my van crash happened and I was away from the cult for two weeks that the real Steve started coming out again. Right, which your your van crash was like my getting arrested. You know, it's like yep. that that dramatic thing that like physically yanks you away. And I've interacted with some people um, who are telling me about, you know, my mother is with this guy and this is happening. And and I, you know, I, I, I'm not like professionally qualified to be giving them advice, but I feel like I know enough to at least 
try to warn them of certain things and to emphasize like, like you, you like consider drastic measures because whatever those drastic measures are, are probably much better than the one that's eventually going to happen, which might be horrifically tragic and irreversible. Um, Good point. And, And then also like to, because I don't feel like, you know, because a lot of people have said to me, uh, friends or acquaintances, oh, I wish I knew you back then as if they could have gotten me out. And I know that, you know, I, I was telling everybody everything was fine. No, no, everything's fine. This is no, he's this is well, I was tell, reassuring everybody. Everything and and was as fine. a Mooney, I'd say I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I'm filled with right. God's and I was, love. I mean, I was quietly like miserable and right. tortured, but I felt trapped. And right. and so I would put on this face that everything was fine. And so I don't, you know, I don't know what they could have done. Um, uh, anyway, I have my a point whole is, book I don't on really... what they could have done. It's called Freedom right, of but Mind. I mean, if they had that and it, like, uh, but I don't, I'm not surprised that kind of there wasn't anybody kind of jumping in and intervening so much because again, they just didn't really know. They didn't really know what was going on. And um, so let me, let me highlight it's going on. Look at the world right now. It's going on with millions and millions of people and lots of former members are coming out of the woodwork telling their stories, whether it's an MLM or, or a political cult or a religious cult or whatever, please and in and, and these one-on-one situations, what, I, what I've told people is, um, you know, because like somebody will say, well, my mother, yeah, she acknowledges he's a bad guy and she's given him money. But yeah, she says she's not going back to him, but then she always goes back to him. And, you know, and what I what I say is that probably whatever she's admitted to you that she's given him, it's probably much worse than that. Yep. And then on top of that, like she is probably completely awash in sort of like a shame and terror, right? That's going to prevent her from opening up and saying how bad it really is, right? So however bad that you you think you know it is, I would guess, unfortunately, it's probably much, much worse. And that's why I really encourage these people, like, you know, like if you have to like make up a story to get that person to come, you know, to your house or to get, get them away from that person or something like, don't, you know, like you may need to take drastic measures that might feel deceptive. Just do be smart about it. Don't make things worse. And that's why taking the time to get educated and coached Is that you have to be very careful because what, like, if you try to just, if, certain efforts of being forceful can backfire and make them withdraw more. Right. So it's like this very careful, like, uh, you know, it's, it's just a, something that needs to be done properly in, in a, in a well thought out way. So it's a very tricky thing. And, and, um, right. But it's you know, doable. People... Why? Because the real identity is still there. You're, you're the people that you loved and were close to prior to Anthony get w- v- inveigling his way into your life still cared about you and you still cared about them. What was missing is their education in understanding and diagnosing the situation and understanding there's a formula. I actually did a, a TEDx talk. How can I know if I've been brainwashed just to do a generic uh, mm-hmm. uh, talk about how anyone 
can can reality test for themselves, especially intelligent mm-hmm. people are very responsive to challenges that are done with love. Like, hey, if he's legitimate, he'll stand up to scrutiny. Let's find out it, about his past. Or just mm-hmm. go ahead and hire a PI and get the person's birthday and license number and phone number because we find out a heck of a lot about these perps and they are serial predators. They have left a trail of victims and you know they're right. going to continue to victimize more people if they're not put in jail and held accountable. Right. And if they're smart, they they know how to cover their tracks. So even a background check may not be enough. It may not turn up. Or like in my case, you know, he had explanations for all of those things, which of course were ridiculous, but uh, you know, it, 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 that is one thing, like, there's no reason not to do that. Certainly do that and scrutinize them in all kinds of ways. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there, I hope that, you know, even if the film, even if Bad Vegan didn't educate people the way that it should have, um, you know, I would hope that at the very least, you know, there might have, people might have seen similarities between what was happening there and what might be happening with a loved one, or, you know, even in their own case, even in their own relationship, they might've watched it and been so uncomfortable going, oh my God, you know, this person in my life is saying the same types of things to me. And there's, there's too many things are ringing true. Therefore, maybe I should take a look at this. And so I, you know, whatever, I'm just, I'm always optimistic, but I would hope that it, um, you know, for all those people who didn't write me off as a complete moron and um you're not Leon a moron you're br- you're <laughs> very bright i uh, uh, hey there's leon the famous yeah, leon just- hey buddy uh dog yeah. lovers you and i um i want to just take a minute and do you know the case of michael c fine the divorce attorney that i wrote a blog about i don't so Michael, very briefly, Michael C. Fine was a divorce attorney who's in jail because he was covertly hypnotizing his female clients, molesting them, and giving them amnesia to his sexual assaults. I've and, heard of that with with um with terrifyingly psychologists, you know, like therapists doing that. I feel like so there's a case any, about- anyone can learn if they have no ethics and they're a psychopath, right. uh, how to rape people without their consent and how to give them hypnotic programs in their head to not remember it. So this yep. was regularly done with Nexium. People would meet with Keith Ranieri for two, three hours and not remember a single thing. And it's because he put that idea in their head that they won't remember anything. And so people need to connect the dots. If they've ever seen a stage hypnosis demonstration and TED Talks have a few hypnotists and, 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 and such demonstrating it, um, the average person goes, are they just play acting or they really think they're Fred Astaire or they really think their feet are glued to the stage and they have to pee, and that's why they're wriggling, or they really believe that they're naked when they're fully clothed. And I'm here to say, as someone who's been studying hypnosis since 1980, uh, the mind is an incredible thing, and it can be hacked, and ideas can be put in there. Like, 
Darren Brown. I don't know if you know who Darren I Brown is. I use Darren Brown's videos all the time when yeah. I'm trying yeah. to explain. I never use hypnosis with my clients because I want trust, but I use videos of Darren and other people to explain the techniques that he's using. Yeah, and he does he does explain um you know, I've listened to a lot of interviews with him and he he has I think I actually put a quote of his in um in my book draft. Um and and I think with with magicians too, there's this element of understanding how the brain will um will like fill in missing pieces. I don't know. Somehow no, I just feel like all, it, the way magicians do what they do involves like like interesting psychological sleight of mind as well as sleight of hand and um honestly a lot of folks who are interested in persuasion and brainwashing are fascinated at how magicians are able to uh, pull it off what's different Mm -hmm. and what i love about darren brown is he says i'm not a psychic i'm not a prophet you know (laughs) this is these are tricks these are psychology. Mm-hmm. This is the power of the mind. This is the power of suggestion. But I, I've seen films where he takes a group, a room of atheists and makes them all Jesus lovers in the space mm-hmm. of less than a half an hour and then wakes them up uh, where people are, are trained to become a Manchurian candidate and they believe that they're shooting a gun and a exploding red dye pack goes off, mm-hmm. but they have no memory of doing it, but then they're shown the, the all the videos, etc. Yeah, cetera. it's kind of terrifying. It, it, it is and it isn't. Once we understand it, we can protect ourselves and our loved ones, but we have to get out of this false idea that humans are rational, because we're not. Uh, we're emotionally driven. We're embodied mm-hmm. minds. And we're not perfect, and anyone who speaks with certainty like they know the truth with a capital T, for most average people, they they have this split reaction of, wow, that person's really convinced. Mm-hmm. M- maybe he's BS, or maybe he's the Messiah, or maybe he's a psychic, or maybe he really has the keys to salvation. But what I want to say clearly is that if something or some person is legitimate, he, it, will, it will or he will stand up to scrutiny. You can mm-hmm. ask direct questions. You'll get direct, honest answers. And if you get Instead lies, the, the word, run. word salad. Yeah. Well, wor- typical is you ask questions and the answer you get, because I mean, I, I can't, like the number, like I, I have this sort of general memory of this thing happening all the time, which was like, I would be like, yeah, but what about this? What about that? I don't understand. How come this or that? And he would answer me in some way that I was like, huh? Like he wouldn't a- ever answer. It was like, it's like word salad. He would say all these things that let me would explain. make me feel like I'm deficient for not understanding it. Exactly. So let me yeah. explain the, 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 the concept or the trick, and that is understanding that mind controllers want you to be in a state of confusion because mm-hmm. so, uh, that's how they can get you. So you ask a direct question, and they don't answer it, and they say contradictory things in the same sentence, and the average person, unless they understand, oh, a psychopath. 
a cult leader, yep. unless they can name it, they start going, wait a minute, that's, I don't know what he means. And then if mm -hmm. you get into that passive mode of, well, he must know what he means versus he must know that he is using a confusion hypnotic technique on me <laughs> to get me to write that next check or to, mm -hmm. you know, get me to take off my pants for this, you mm -hmm. know, person I have no attraction to, whatever. Um, I also want to mention, I had a case maybe 15, 20 years ago of a very successful medical doctor. I won't give details, but he abruptly married a much younger woman, uh, went with her to Las Vegas, got married, bought her a white Mercedes. His family is like, what? Like, who is mm -hmm. this person? We haven't even met, you haven't even introduced her yet to us. And it turned out that when they were having sex, she was saying things like, we were in a past life. We were lovers together. You, you were my soulmate, you know, but over and over and over. And when you're having sex, you're not thinking rationally and analytically, et cetera. And if somebody has training in hypnosis or even written book, read books on it, mm -hmm. they can put these ideas in your head, especially if they have regular access to you, Right. but you don't remember it. And, uh, and unless there's a record that's objective, it's a lot of guesswork. What happened with this Michael C. Fine that put him in jail was one of his victims uh, came home after a meeting with him and she discovered her panties were on backwards and there was a wet stain. And she was knew she put her panties on correctly every morning. <laughs> she went to the police. They did a, 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 you know, a test kit to see if there was semen. It wasn't. And they said, tell us what happened. She said, I don't have any memory. I saw my lawyer and this happened. They said, we can't help you. And this brave, courageous woman, the next time she met with him, put on a recorder in her purse and recorded yeah. him hypnotizing her and molesting her, took the recording. The police went, oh my goodness. They actually hired an expert in hypnosis to verify. Yep, that's the real thing. That really is hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And they set up a sting, and it turned out he had kept tapes, trophy tapes of all the women that he had molested. So there were like That's forty so, plus so, people. It's so interesting that they tend to do that, like in the way that uh, Keith Raniere wanted everything filmed and recorded and saved. It was like he did all the work of all the evidence. And then what what also struck me was, um, in, in my situation, so during that time when I was out on bail mm -hmm. um, and they had sort of gone, they had, when we were arrested, I guess they took sort of all of our stuff that mm -hmm. anything that was of any significance. Yep. And so at some, at some point down the road, uh, my, my lawyer at the time called me and she said, um, Sheila, she was in the film. She said, um, well, the DA has your journal from 2014. And I was like, what my journal. Mm -hmm. And I remembered like vaguely that there was a time when Mr. Fox had, I guess, seen me writing in it, took it from me and was like, you can't be writing this stuff that yelled at me, whatever. And I assumed he'd like thrown it down the trash chute or something, but instead for some reason he had it. And I mean, it's, I mean, I, like 
I so grateful that it exists, sure. right? And then also all of the stuff that was on his devices, the recordings that he made of me, where they showed like a tiny bit of it in the in the yep. bad vegan. But there, these recordings of me were like, I look like I'm on drugs. I'm like sobbing in a way that's like that I look like I'm not right. You know, like. Like you were crazy, and, and, which is what he wanted you right, to look like. Exactly. But it was like, he thinks he's somehow gathering something that's all of that stuff basically worked in my favor. And the strange thing was that the journal, when I first got the like PDF copy of it and was, you know, beyond the mortification of knowing that like everybody's reading my journal and all the goofy, embarrassing things I wrote in there. When I read it, I was, I was crying because I, I read it and I, I was like, oh my God, well, like, finally, this surely would exonerate me because I said in it over and over again, like, right. I don't know what's going on. I'm terrified. Like, oh, my God, like praying that, you know, like if you there's so much in there that makes it clear sure. that I was like confused, not intending to hurt, you know. And I just assumed naively that 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 along with kind of all this other stuff that kept turning up would have exonerated me. And I didn't those videos the DA and the prosecutors had seen those. Yep. Everybody in my case saw them but me. I never saw them until like, I went and dug them out much later on my own when I was actually trying to sort of dig stuff up for, sure. the, um, for Bad Vegan. And I came across those videos and it was just sort of like another thing that, I don't know. I just don't know. Like if those had been shown to a jury, would that jury have gone, you know, she's a terrible criminal. Like let's put her in jail. So we know from social psychology, there's something called confirmation bias that yes. you tend to uh, filter for information that's confirming your current beliefs. So it's a, a version of what you were saying earlier about looking at two different images and people see the right. devil or the angels and an Escher uh, 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 lithograph or something, for example. But the 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 problem is is that the uh, the state of education of people on Earth about the mind is about fifty to hundred years out of date. In in other words, uh, this notion that only weak, stupid people can be mind controlled or we're rational beings and therefore you turn 18 and everything is an adult decision. We now know the brain doesn't even mature till 25 or 26 in the frontal mm -hmm. cortex and your executive functioning. So the, the, the critical thing is we're dealing with ignorance of the public that, that this mm -hmm. is really happening all the time around us and that in order to protect ourselves, we really need to have clarity and how to discern what's trustworthy information, what's a lie, who's a legitimate leader and who is a phony, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But this is the cusp where we're at. And I really believe we're at a tipping point, Sarma, where there's so many people this has happened to that it's, it's beyond the ability to deny that it's only a few weak people because it's just not the case. So to answer your question, I believe if your attorneys understood the frame of undue influence and mind control and coercive control, they could have presented evidence that would be overwhelmingly 
uh, powerful to the uh, jury. I really believe that now because yeah. we just I mean, have there wasn't so much- one. I just, there was no jury. It was like, because, you know, I mean, here, here's the thing about the system is like, first of all, a, you know, a trial would cost a bajillion dollars, right? Um, and not only that, but it would have been terrifying mm. um, because, you know, I just, I know enough to know that like, very often the most compelling evidence is inadmissible for some reason or something. But either way, it was like the, I mean, going to trial just wasn't an option for me, realistically. But even if it was, like the sheer terror and stress and how long these things take Mm -hmm. and like it would have been so stressful that like just... Oh, I don't, I'm not trying to... People like plead guilty all the time just yeah. to be like, let me just take the sure. light, set, let, like, let me just take this and be done because that's way less stressful than, yeah. you know, uh, a trial that I can't afford, right. a trial that's going to take over a year that's going to be like, you know, so let me just take the easy route out uh-huh. and plead guilty, no matter whether I, in my heart believe i'm guilty or not that's almost irrelevant in the decision it's like this is the be- this is the better option of the two yeah and um i'm not trying the, to you know, say that you fault sh- of our system yes the 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 system the the uh adversarial uh legal system is not victim centric uh does not go out of its way to protect the whistleblowers and in this sense you you were not just a victim, but also a whistleblower on this person's predatory behavior. Um, so, I mean, the past is the past. Uh, so I, mm-hmm. I support you in your decisions going forward, but I really want the public to understand that uh, you can Google hypnosis plus sex or covert hypnosis, and there are websites which will take your credit card uh, information and teach you how to do these techniques on other people. And there's no law against it currently. Yeah. Yeah. There's like that. I, I remember that book that came out a while ago called the game. Do you remember yeah, that pick book? Pickup artist. Uh, right. Book. Where, I mean, it was all, it, and it was just a, it was like a, yeah. For like, Pimps call what they do the game also, by the way, and I helped to develop a a recovery program for women who were sex trafficked called Ending the Game, because the game is, if you're playing their game, you're always going to (laughs) lose. The only way to win the game is to run and have nothing to do with it. And there's a lot of, um, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, tactics of NLP and there's a lot of things in there like sort of mirroring and a lot of these weird little techniques to, to anchoring get, you know, mirroring creating yep. submissive age regression yeah. back to childhood when people are age regressed to childhood they don't have the resources of an adult um mm-hmm. I want to state categorically uh cuz mm-hmm. I haven't yet in this in this uh interview that you know Anything that has the power to help has the power to hurt. And so I don't want to convey that hypnosis in and of itself is a bad thing. My position is go to a mental health professional who's ethical, who has proper training, and but 
but do a lot of uh, consumer awareness and check the person's credentials out, et cetera. Right. And you can even record sessions because uh, if anyone uh, is going to be doing nefarious things, they won't allow you to record their sessions. So that, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll get rid of you. But, you know, the, so anyway, the, the hypnosis is a powerful, wonderful tool, and it can be used for bad purposes by people who want power, money, or sex, or all three. And that's the universal mm-hmm. with cult leaders. And back to the point about uh, some of these predators liking to keep trophies, liking to keep pictures and 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 other things of their right. victims. Uh, the the psychology of these people is malignant narcissism. It's not just the narcissism, which is on a continuum. Um, and can be healthy narcissism or really bad narcissism, but it's all about them. They have no ability to have empathy for their victim, and especially in one-on-ones. One of the first things I say to my clients is, you may have believed at some point that this person loved you, but if they don't have the ability to have empathy, they don't have the ability to to truly love you either. So you Mm -hmm. need to keep that in mind. And of course, the malignant part is they think they're above the law, they're psycho, you know, pathological liars, sadistic, paranoid, distrustful. You can go down the whole list. I did a whole chapter uh, in the cult of Trump, comparing Trump yep. with, uh, with Jim Jones and Moon, my former cult yep. leader, and Hubbard. So my own copy is there is a, a playbook, <laughs> but it comes. Yep. But the people who are doing this harmful stuff, a very small percentage of them. And if you understand what to watch out for, you're going to protect yourself from a lot of misery. And and they're you know they can be so skilled because what's interesting is like in terms of understanding other people's feelings, they 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 can be extremely skilled at understanding sure. cognitively what makes other people tick, yep. right? So they can understand and therefore they can play the part. Yep. Um, so it's like they have the ability to understand how somebody else is not, not in a relatable way, but in a like a strategic informational kind of a way, but they don't care, right? So, so what I you learned- know, it's like they're using it and then- and then I think because they have that understanding, they're able to, you know, say what they know you want to hear or pretend or make you think that they really care and, you know, look the part. They can, their eyes can get teared up. You, you know, they could convince yep. you that they do have empathy. So it's, or, or that they do, uh, you know, that they are, that they do love you or care for you or, um, right. Whereas- so, so going back to uh, a little bit more of the playbook, as I understand it, the uh, practitioner of NLP or covert hypnotic methods has been trained to watch nonverbal reactions, mm-hmm. and they understand the idea of putting out a general statement, watching the reaction. And then throwing other things out there, watching your reaction. So what they're doing is what's called calibrating you. Mm-hmm. And they're building a model of their victim in their mind. 
and every interaction is used to refine the model to be effective because the goal mm -hmm. is power, money, and sex. How much power can I exert for my pleasure? How much money can I extract from this person? And how can I get my jollies at their expense? I feel like the other ones are a subset of power, right? So I feel like the money and the sex is about power. I agree. So it's like it's power and then the money and sex are just like, I agree. They want those two things because it's about power. So I feel like it's kind of it's all connected. Yeah, but I, I I agree with you. Power is is the dominant thing, and that sex is about power. It isn't about mm -hmm. true uh, enjoyment and pleasure of sharing yourself with another person. Um, right. But there really is. Um, hope there really is uh, an exit from the nightmare. Uh, a lot of people have phobias that have been installed in their heads that they'll never be successful if they leave this multi-level marketing group or no one will ever love you like I do uh, in the, if they're in a relationship. And it's really yeah. critical that people understand the idea that people can install phobias deliberately in your head to control you <laughs> and to to think. And for me, when I was about four years out of the Moonies, when I learned about phobias as a mental health issue, and I thought back to the Moonies, like, when, how did they get me? Like, where was the, where, where did I start, you know, fearing so totally? And it was when they took me to see the Exorcist movie and Moon said, God made the Exorcist movie, and this is what would happen if you left. And it, 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 when I revisit that memory, knowing what I know now, to have somebody say a Hollywood movie was made by God, and it's a prophecy of what would happen, yeah. I would have laughed I, at his face and walked out of the cult if I understood yeah. phobias. I'm so uncomfortable now with with fear because... Uh, yeah, I mean, he he made me think that if I didn't do what he said, I would, you know, everything would come crashing down, my life would be ruined, I would be right. humiliated, on and on and on, and that as if that like so, I had to do what he said. But he made he always made me, you know, afraid, and he was always talking about like, you know, as if he was the one who would protect me and whatnot. And now it's like I just. I'm so uncomfortable with fear that like the last thing in the world I want to do is watch anything scary. You know, I don't. Um, yeah, yeah, I hear I you. Don't. Fear is supposed to keep us away from danger, but you need right. your critical thinking to evaluate: is there real danger, or uh, uh, did someone put some of these uh, these ideas in my head for their yep. own purpose and such? Yep. And and um, I think that when you've been burned the way you were and I was. I think it's a very healthy thing to be skeptical. And, and I, it took me four years before I was willing to go to a workshop after the Moonies workshops, but I did right. it. But I was pacing back and forth at the back of the room. I wasn't going to sit and be a compliant, obedient subject like I had been in the Moonies. And you learn strategies for reality testing um, and, mm -hmm. and you build a pod of trustworthy friends and family where you can go to them and, and, and a lot, everyone in your family and your former employees, I believe were traumatized 
by what this guy did traumatizing you. Whether or not mm -hmm. they own up to it, uh, only they can answer that. But again, the idea here is, is uh, that, that the human spirit is resilient, that people don't want to be exploited and abused and used. They want real love. They want real purpose. They want uh, meaning and to contribute to other people, whatever, whatever is coming from inside the real you. Um, and but understand that there are some really bad forces out there uh, mm -hmm. that have agendas. And I want to add one last thing as we begin to wrap up, and that is I wrote in my book about new apostolic reformation churches and megachurches as being the core of the cult of Trump. And mm -hmm. these are these are being mischaracterized by the media as mainline white Christian evangelicals, which they are not, uh, mm -hmm. according to mainline Christian evangelicals. They have a person who claims to be a prophet or an apostle that speaks directly to God, and they claim that they can ca cast out demons and do faith healings. But here's the point: they convince the followers that Satan is all-powerful, and only by being covered by them, protected by them, can they prevent demonic possessions and all kinds of horrible things from happening to them. So again, this is a, a millions and millions of Americans, and an estimated 300 to 400 million worldwide, are in these NAR cults. They're actual authoritarian cults, and they think they're following Jesus and Christianity, and it's the last thing that, that, that they're following. Yeah, I mean, that dynamic sounded familiar to me because it was like he somehow gave me this impression, and it sounds cuckoo again, that, that's, that somehow he was connected to, you know, something godlike, and that by my association with him, I would be protected. Right. Yeah, so definitely. And thing. he stole yeah. that. I don't. I'm not remembering if we they identified any of his origin. Uh, uh, some people are raised or born in a cult that does these tactics. They exit mm -hmm. and they use these tactics. So there's kind of a multiplication of the with a splintering of it. So yeah. Sarma, uh, we're going to wrap up, but I want to give yep. you last words of what else I may have missed or what what other message you want to add as we wrap up uh, this really interesting uh, interaction. Yeah, I mean, I you know we we I knew it would be nice and refreshing to talk to you about these things because you have such an unbelievably thorough understanding of it. So it feels very comforting. Whereas I've had some other conversations and podcasts and whatnot, where like, I'm trying to explain to somebody that doesn't understand and it's really, um, has been challenging. So that's why I was happy to come and talk to you. Um, as I'm always happy to talk to you. And yeah, I think that, you know, I hope to try to keep putting out valuable, material going forward about things that like, you know, just even just what we talked about most recently, like if you're in a relationship and you're afraid, that in itself is a huge red flag, yeah. like all kinds of, there's all kinds of red flags that if they're put out there enough and people go, huh, yeah, I actually can check all, you know, I just, I want to keep 
helping to do whatever I can to to help people be aware of this stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm happy. To thank you for your courage listen. and thanks so much. I look forward to reading your book. Maybe we'll do a another interview to promote the book when that it's would be ready. great. And uh, and people, please go to her website and uh, and I want to plug. You did a a, a a a cookbook, I believe, that was very very successful. Uh, well, they came out a while ago, um, but I mean, I did a couple of cookbooks in the past the, that came out in 2005 and 2009. But um, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm writing via my website and like social media and I've just been writing blogs on Patreon and whatnot. I'm trying to kind of put out more information in a kind of a piecemeal way until my until my book is out. Uh -huh. And then I can kind of hopefully from there put out more stuff. So great. I'm wishing you the best. Let's stay in touch. And thank you again. Yes, I know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast by Nasser Malik. To read in-depth articles about influence, both positive and negative, visit my website at freedomofmind.com. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you fully grasp the complex web of undue influence. I also have a three-and-a-half-hour online course titled Understanding Cults, The Basics, which can be found on my website. If you're a former cult member, I congratulate you on your bravery, invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT, and join our online community at igotout.org. Thanks for listening, and remember, love is stronger than mind control.